give a big warm welcome for John everybody and welcome to another edition of the views from the john podcast hello i am your host johnny Ares, and thank you for tuning in today today is uh tuesday may 5th 2020 and how is the lockdown going for you quarantine whatever you want to call it um i'm gonna tell you the truth surprise surprise I'm a truthful dude. Uh, this isn't the first podcast I've recorded this morning. Uh, I just recorded an hour-long podcast, had a lot of fun, uh, did something uh, very different from all the podcasts you've seen or heard uh, me do, and lo and behold, like usual, I looked down at my computer, which is recording the audio right now, and it stopped 50 minutes into it. And there's no way for me to recover that audio. So here I am starting the podcast all over again. And because I don't feel like I could possibly do it as good or better than the one I just had to trash, I'm not going to do it. But basically what we did is I took out two full shoe boxes, which are right next to me. I'm not going to do it again. I took out two full shoe boxes full of love letters from... Uh, you know, sixth grade to twelfth grade that were written by me and other girls and little knickknacks, and I showed them all to the camera. Had a great old time reminiscing and showing you guys love letters from you know twenty five, thirty years ago when I was in high school. And uh, yeah, that whole episode is now lost because my computer just seems to uh, choose a, a random time for no apparent reason to just stop recording the audio. So, welcome to my life, okay? You think my life, Thiethi? I struggle, okay? So, anyways, uh, yeah, now that we've done one successful podcast that we've had to dump into the recycle bin, let's try this again. Um, see, this is what sucks. Is you know, I'll never be able to do that podcast as good as I just did it. Um... So yeah, uh, let's let's do something a little different here on try number two. Um, I really don't want to talk Corona or COVID. I said I wouldn't. Even the podcast I just threw away, I started to go into it. Um, I'm just dumbfounded at the amount of people protesting. I'm dumbfounded as to why they're protesting. I don't get it. I don't get people in Michigan strapping assault weapons. Okay, you know what? Fuck the assault weapons, right? Assault weapons are stupid names. AR-15s are not fucking assault rifles, okay? That is not what the AR stands for in AR-15, okay? Unless you're Biden and you call it a fucking AR-14. No idea what the fuck that is, but... Okay... Let me get into a true story. We're going to do something different. I got a lot of true, embarrassing stories that will hopefully make you laugh um, about my youth. And, uh, you know, I'm going to talk about those right now. One of which is something I literally just did. When I was growing up, I had a stuttering problem. A very bad stuttering problem. I was bullied for it. I was made fun of it. 
But I wasn't bullied in high school like a lot of people were bullied. You know, the people who made fun of my stuttering were just kind of roasting me. I didn't go run and hide and complain about it. Like I think a lot of people do now. I just think about some of the ways that we bullied and I was bullied and in the way that we roasted each other when I was in school. That shit wouldn't even come close to flying in today's uh, environment, for the lack of a better fucking term. But yeah, I had a stuttering problem. My stuttering problem was uh, pretty bad to the point where I even had adults make fun of me for it. Um, that girl I dated for two years in high school, uh, one of the first dinners I had at her parents' house, uh, her father had no idea I had a stuttering problem. And I got stuck on a word and like really stuttered it out in the middle of dinner. And he starts laughing at me thinking I was making a joke. And like Lisa had to hit him and be like, uh, what the fuck you doing, dad? Like, you know, but literally, so... I had a stuttering problem. I would get stuck on a lot of different letters. Um, if it was B, like I was trying to say ball, I'd be like ball. S's were bad. I used to be compared to a hissing snake because I couldn't get the S out. So if I was trying to say like smile, I'd be like couldn't get it out. Um, there were so many words, not really words, but just letters that would trip me up. M's, L's, P's. If I was trying to say anything with a P, it'd be If it was an L, I'd be like, literally. And I can make fun of this because this is me. This is how I used to talk. And, um, it really bothered me. I didn't like having a stutter. I didn't like being made fun of for it. Uh, my parents didn't take me to any kind of a specialist to try to figure out why I was stuttering. You know how I fixed it? I fixed it completely alone. I just came to the realization, I think in my like mid-teens, um, before graduating high school, that the reason I was stuttering is because I was trying to just speak way too fast. Like, if I wanted to say the snake went and slithered towards the ball, back then I'd be like, the, 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 you know? I was just trying to spit it way too fast. But when I thought in my mind about what I wanted to say, and I just said it slowly, a lot slower than I was trying to talk, I didn't stutter. It, it was just like a light switch had been flipped. I literally fixed my stutter just by thinking that I have to slow down what I'm saying. And I literally have not done it since. Anybody that remembers me from my youth that knew I had a huge stuttering problem, it just went away so quickly and it hasn't been around in so many years. People have even forgotten about it. They had no idea that I used to stutter so badly. And literally nobody fixed it but me. I just realized I was trying to say shit way too fast and I would just take a deep breath think about what I wanted to said or say, I said it slowly, and I would no longer stutter. So if you have a stuttering problem, that's how I fixed it. Don't think you have to go buy books and spend all kinds of money. I had a real serious stuttering problem, like I said, where I was compared to a snake. Anytime I said the word S, it was like a hissing snake. It wouldn't come out. And that's how I fixed it. So 
uh, you got to believe. You got to believe in the power uh, that we all have to literally cure ourselves. I believe our brains are way more powerful than we realize. And I do believe that we have the power to kick in a sixth sense or a seventh sense. We have the power to heal ourselves from the most nasty diseases. We just don't know how to access that function in our brain. Uh, let's see, what else? Um, this is a crazy story, and I really wish I could remember it better. But back in the day, this was the early 2000s, I had a computer degree, and I was working for a pretty major investment company in Springfield, Massachusetts, um, as a tech support guy, a computer network tech support guy. And I was there one weekend. Uh, we only worked Monday through Friday, but we were there on a Saturday because I believe it was in the middle of us switching the thousands of people inside that building that I supported, we were switching from Windows NT to Windows 2000. So we had to go to everyone's computer and literally upgrade the operating system. So we had to do that after hours. So I was there on a Saturday and I was there with a guy I worked with that was at least twice my age. At that point, I was in my early 20s. This dude was mid-50s maybe, Vietnam vet. He was a Vietnam vet that had some screws loose. He was a decent enough guy, but he had a wicked temper, and he definitely had some screws loose in his head. And I said, he said something to me that really, really got under my skin. And I don't give a fuck who says it to me. If you talk down to me, or if you disrespect me, or if you say something to me in a fucked up way, you've immediately lost. And this is how I've always been. And I may have mentioned this before to people on my show, but it's not what you say to me, it's how you say it. Even if you have something really like triggering or mean to say to me, if you say it in the right way, it won't trigger me. But Anybody that's of authority or thinks that they are authority figure, if they talk to me in a condescending, telling me what to do way, you've lost. I don't like being told what to do or how to do it, especially when you tell me what to do or how to do it, talking to me like I'm a fucking kid or a child or, an, or a fucking imbecile. That'll trigger me. So uh, this is why I used to get in trouble a lot in school. If I was in the back of a classroom goofing around and talking and a teacher was like, John, shut the fuck up, I would immediately be like, fuck you, and there we went. However, if the teacher said, hey, John, uh, could, you, could you bring it down a little bit? I'd be like, no problem. It wasn't what you said to me. It was how you said it, okay? And I don't give a fuck who you are, okay? Gandhi could walk in here right now. Trump, anybody. Anybody you care about and respect, you talk to me like a dickhead and disrespect me, you think I'm going to fucking respect you back? Uh-uh. It's a two-way street. It works both ways. So this dude, even though he was my elder, he wasn't my boss, but he was above me in pay grade, were there working together on a Saturday upgrading computer operating systems, and I can't remember what he said to me, but he said something really fucked up. And of course, me, I roasted this guy right back. 
I'm not the type of dude that takes shit laying down. I gave it right back to him. And he didn't like that. And I really wish I could remember exactly what I said and he said to me. But whatever he said triggered me. And whatever I did was like a dagger to his heart. And then he flipped the fuck out. It's just me and him in this big office building on a Saturday. He came charging around those cubicles, grabbed me by my shirt against my will, and started dragging me into the bathroom where he was going to beat the fuck out of me. I had to fight back, and I escaped him, and I immediately called somebody for help. This dude was fired a few days later for doing that. For the rest of the time I worked there, his buddies blamed me because of my wise-ass attitude. Not the fact that this dude lost control because of some issues he had in Vietnam and proceeded to then drag me into a bathroom where he was going to beat the fuck out of me. They didn't think that was a problem. They blamed me for how I talked to him. So don't get mad at the dude for the act of dragging me into a fucking bathroom at work to beat the piss out of me because he said something fucked up and I gave it right back to him. No. It was my fault because I opened my mouth and shouldn't have. So anyways, that put me in a bad place with some of the people that worked there. And then eventually, a couple years later, the first excuse they had to fire my ass, I got fired. And that's when I kind of quit the computer business for a while and went into the restaurant business and became a bartender and a manager and then moved down south where I experienced a bunch of fucking racism and said, fuck that, moved back up here where the racism isn't quite as crazy. But the liberals are. So that's it in a nutshell. Um, so yeah, a crazy Vietnam vet literally tried to drag me into a bathroom and choke me out, and I escaped that. So just be careful, I guess, what you say to people, because uh, you really don't know, do you? I mean, that guy could have been carrying a gun on him, and he could have shot me for what I said. So, I mean, you really have to be careful in what you say and who you say it to, because you really don't know, you know? So just chill, right? Um, yeah, uh, another crazy story I can talk about is the first uh, United States tour that my band Grimlock went on uh, back in the summer of 97. I don't think people realize um, just how crazy that tour was, okay? What was supposed to happen is uh, my band Grimlock was supposed to go out on that tour with another band named Holdstrong, okay? We had rented, as a band, uh, a U-Haul, and it was one of those U-Haul box trucks. It had three seats up front, right? And then the back was just like an enclosed, like, you know, box that had a garage door on it. So what we had planned on doing is taking two vans. The other band had like a 15-passenger van, so most of us would ride in that van between the two bands, and then all the equipment would go in back of the U-Haul truck while somebody drove the U-Haul truck. Well, turns out when we all met up at Matt's house in Worcester to leave that morning on the tour, their van was done. They had bought the van used, the motor had blown, and they were ready to not go out on tour. So here we are about to literally all go on tour together in two separate vans, and their van is now fucked. So we're like, screw that. We're going to take all 14 of us between our roadies and the two bands. 
and we're going to stick three people up front in the U-Haul, and then the other 11 people and all the gear went into the back box truck compartment. We had no lights, no windows, no ventilation, but 11 of us in the middle of summer for a month rode around in the back of that fucking van. Literally no lights, no windows, nothing in that summer heat. 11 of us. And we just kept thinking that if we ever got pulled over by the police and they made the driver open up that garage door, they would have saw fucking hammocks that were strung up uh, in between like the boards that go along the sides. We had hammocks strung up. All our equipment was in there. We had put a couple couches in there and it was just 11 dudes laying on top of each other, just sweating their balls off. No air, nothing. And it was crazy. But we did that for a month. And I just think how stupid that was because had we gotten in any kind of an accident on the highway while driving around the entire country for a month, we would have died. No question about it. Nobody would have lived in that truck, but we did it. And what we eventually did is we took a toolbox with us um, on the trip. And what we, were to, what we were able to do is when the garage door was shut on the back of the van, we were able to take two bolts off the uppermost part of the garage door and fold it down so we at least got some light and some air in the back of that box truck but that's literally how we toured that first year you know you look at famous bands that get flown on a private jet or they each have their own like giant tour bus between shows imagine packing 14 people into a back of a little u-haul van no windows no light no power nothing for a month in the middle of summer that's what we did 16, 17 years old, and it was the time of our lives. Um, so, yeah. Um, COVID cardio. You know what I've been doing for cardio? I have, a, uh, I have an Apple Watch. I have a Fitbit. I have a watch made by Sunto that I use for uh, climbing and biking. Um, all of those watches have, like, a pedometer in them. It'll tell you how many miles you've walked or how many steps you've walked over a 24-hour period. So I was telling you guys this on the last couple of podcasts. Uh, since this coronavirus lockdown happened, I really don't have anywhere to go, nobody to see. And uh, I get pretty bored. So I'll be sitting here watching TV or doing something. I'll get up, pace the house for 15 minutes, sit back down, get back up, pace the house. I've been, I've been doing between a mile and a half to two miles of pacing a day in my house, according to my Fitbit. You imagine that? That's how much I pace every day. I pace two miles in my own house every day due to boredom. <sighs> Good thing I have that Fitbit. What else? I was, I was thinking about cows last night. And you might think to yourself, what the fuck were you thinking about cows last night? And I'm going to tell you, I had a really interesting revel uh, revelation about cows. Okay, just bear with me for a minute. The reason I was thinking about cows is because I was having some awesome homemade chocolate chip cookies last night. And I thought to myself, what goes better with chocolate chip cookies than a glass of milk? But I can't have milk. I became lactose intolerant out of the clear blue like 20 years ago. And it took me a long time to figure out what I could eat without getting sick and what I couldn't. At first, I thought everything, like bread, had milk in it, which it doesn't. I thought everything had milk in it. So over the course of the last 20 years, I've learned what I can eat containing milk and cheese and what I can't. I could eat a full pizza right now 
with all that cheese on it and not get sick. If I were to have a half glass of milk, I would be running for the bathroom feeling like somebody was stabbing me with a knife in my stomach, right? So last night when I was really jonesing for some milk, and I do still drink milk, but usually it's, you know, soy milk or, al or almond milk. Um, so yeah, last night I wanted some milk, but I didn't have any milk. And then it made me start thinking about cows and our really strange relationship with cows, right? So just bear with me. Check this out, right? Cows are looked at as being sacred animals by some religions, right? But to a farmer, let's say here in the United States, right? We look at a cow, we raise that cow, and we tug on these like penises or udders that these cows have, and we deprive them of this substance. So we pull on these cows' udders to get milk from them. We raise them and feed them so we can murder them and then cook their meat on the grill for the 4th of July or whatever, right? So it's okay to tug on their udders and drink from them. It's okay to raise them, murder them, and then cook their meat. That's all okay. But if one of those farmers decides he loves his cow and wants to have sex with it, it's a problem. <laughs> Can you see the irony or, or hypocrisy or, or funniness in that? We raise cows so we can murder them and eat them. We, we basically tug them off to, to drink their milk. That's all fine. But if you want to make love to your favorite cow in your farm, you're arrested and demonized for bestiality. So just, just think about that for a second. It's okay to milk them. It's okay to kill them and eat their flesh. But if you have sex with one, fucking forget about it. <laughs> this is the world that we live in, man. So yeah, you know, that's where my mind goes when I'm eating chocolate chip cookies. Okay? That's how my mind works. Um, I got a lot of other stuff written down here, but I don't think any of it's freaking interesting. Most of this stuff I've had written down the last several podcasts and I've skipped over it just because I don't even find it fucking interesting. And if you don't find it interesting, uh, or if I don't find it interesting, chances are that you're not going to find it interesting. Like I have written down here, discuss the, the difference in different parents that I know that partake in weed around their kids vastly different from family to family. Well, that is true. Um, marijuana has been completely legal here in this state for the last two years, but that really doesn't matter because the people who smoke weed have been smoking it their whole lives before it was illegal. Whether it was legal or illegal, it didn't matter to most of us, okay? So the majority of people I know smoke weed, just like you might come home from work and have a glass of wine, okay? It's legal, so whatever. Uh, but, but it's been crazy because uh, I've known a lot of parents over the years that have kids. Some parents will refuse to smoke in the house or in front of or anywhere near their kids. Respectful. It's your kid. You're the parent. Do what you want to do. Yet, there's other parents I know that literally smoked in the same room right in front of their kid from age two up. 
and then you have the in-between. Some parents will smoke marijuana around their kids and in front of their kids, but they'll make sure they blow the smoke, you know, completely into a different room. And then you got the extreme parent who will still smoke, but just, you know, downstairs, completely out of sight, completely out of the way, right? And then you got the other parents that are literally just smoking right in the same room as their two-year-old in complete view. So uh, I, I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. You know, we live in a world now and we're raising kids where finally marijuana is legal. Uh, when I was a kid, it was commonplace for everybody around me to be drinking Schlitz and have cigarettes dangling out of their, you know, boop, you know, everybody did. When I was a kid in the 80s, everybody around me, in, even in grocery stores, cars, everywhere you went was smoking fucking cigarettes and were drinking and driving. But, you know, in 2020, that seems like a foreign concept, but that's how I was raised. So I don't think there's anything wrong with it. There really isn't. It's been proven time and time again that alcohol is such a gateway drug and it's so destructive. And now that the world has really relaxed on marijuana and seen that it's such a, it's a spice, you know? It's nothing. It, so, but, you know, I don't know. If you want to raise your kids in a bubble... And, uh, you know, make it seem like the world's a perfect place and that drugs don't exist or whatever. Your kids are going to have a hell of a wake-up call when they go into the real world. So I don't have a problem with introducing kids um, to just being comfortable around it. Because it is a legal substance that people partake in now just like as if you're opening up a, a bottle of wine. Uh, smoking cigarettes and drinking wasn't hidden for me as a kid in the 80s. And back then it was, you know, perfectly acceptable to, you know, boot your kid across a store if they were crying. But now you do that, it's fucking child abuse. You know, I came from an era, man, where, you know, we, we were smoked around. We were beaten up. We were slapped if we got out of line. We drank from water hoses. We came home when the streetlights came on. We all survived. And I think we're better for it. But I just think a lot of kids now are being raised in this protective bubble where the entire outside world is just kept from them and the parents feel like they're protecting them. But when you release that kid out into the wild, they're going to be fucking lost. I see it almost on a daily basis. So I have no problem with kids being exposed to... Uh, marijuana. Maybe you shouldn't blow the smoke in their face because that might not be good for the development of their lungs, but I got no problem with parents partaking in that. If it's okay for you to have a glass of wine or a schlitz in front of your kid, why is it not okay to have a joint? They're both legal. Well, because legal, because alcohol's been illegal for hundreds of years and weed is... Uh, shut the fuck up. You mouth-breathing fucking idiot. You got no idea what you're talking about. You really don't. But it is crazy. You know, a lot of parents smoke weed. Some will not do it anywhere near or around their kids, and others will seemingly blow the smoke right in their face. Uh, I believe there's a fine line to all of that. You know, you shouldn't be blowing smoke in the kid's face. And uh, I don't have a problem with the parent that hides it from the kid. Uh, but yeah, it's just, you know, it's crazy to me. I suppose if I had a kid and I was married, um, 
you know, I probably wouldn't smoke weed in front of them. I would go into a different room. I wouldn't want them breathing it in, and I wouldn't want them associating me with this, you know, thing hanging out of my mouth. Like I associated, uh, you know, people when I was young. But uh, I believe when that kid gets older and can understand it, I got no problem doing it in front of him. Because it's going to take all the mystery out of drugs and alcohol. I think kids that actually grew up smoking weed with their parents turned out to be better than somebody who was completely uh, in the dark about it. If you want to take the mystery, and every kid that goes through high school is going to be curious about a lot of different dangerous shit. If you want to take the mystery out of some of that stuff, do it with your kids. Try thinking outside of the box. Something I know um, with complete certainty that I didn't when I was younger is that we are so much a product of how we were raised and where we were raised, the environment we were raised in, how many brothers you had, how cool your parents were, whether you had parents, whether you grew up rich or poor, white, black, what area of the world, country, the kind of friends you had, how you did in school how you were raised, the people you hung out with, all of that stuff shapes who we become as adults. So if you don't want to fuck your kid up, you really have to make sure that you're parenting well from day one. And that's all you can do, is just be the best parent you can be and hope that your child takes a lot of those lessons into his adult life. But if you're an absentee parent or a shit parent, or you're a parent that thinks you're doing your kid a favor, by raising them in a bubble and not exposing them to anything that you, you know, deify as big and bad, what's going to happen when you release those kids into the real world? They're going to be the first to get taken out. There's a difference, people. And there's a fine line to being book smart and being street smart. You have to have both. There's no book that you can read that's going to give you, you know, those street smarts. You just have to go and live it. And uh, unfortunately, and this has been the case in my life, I've had to step in a lot of shit and make a lot of bad decisions to learn my lesson. Even when I had adults telling me, don't do it, I've been down that road. I was like, fuck you, I know what's best. Even though you've been through it, I know it all. And then, of course, I would fuck up and be like, oh, you were right, I wish I listened. So now... When I have life experience and I try to tell younger people, yo, don't do that, they go and do it. But I was the same way. You could not tell me anything when I was younger because I thought I fucking had it all figured out and I knew and I thought I knew everything and I thought I, you know, nobody could give me advice. And if I could go back, I wish I took some of that advice because I would be a lot better off. So when I try to explain to people, uh, from my own fuck-ups, what to do and what not to do. It's not just because I'm trying to tell you how to live your life. It's I fucked up my life on multiple ways by not listening to people, by doing this, that, and the other thing, by being stubborn. And I'm telling you, don't do it. Don't do it. Other people have made the mistakes for you so you don't have to go through that experience. So when somebody... Uh, that knows what the fuck they're talking about and is twice your age, has lived shit that you're getting into, listen to them. Don't be me. Don't be stubborn. When someone tells you something, listen to it. 
You might learn something. You really would. Uh, what else do I have to say? This is going to be a short, sweet podcast. Um, well, short, but probably not fucking sweet. What else do I have to talk about? Um, oh my God. Okay. I was making fun of this about a week ago and sure as shit, a few days ago, it started to happen. And this is just the ridiculousness of liberalism, libtards as I call them, or uh, social justice warriors. But, um, okay, so you've heard a lot of the news people in the commercials on TV repeatedly saying thank you, thank you, thank you to all the necessary or to all the essential workers, right? You've heard it. Thank you so much to the frontline necessary essential workers. And I'm like, watch, you're going to have butt hurt people out there going, oh my God, what are you trying to say that I'm not essential, that I'm not important, I'm not on the front lines. But what are you trying to say that be just because I'm not on the front lines that I'm not essential? Why are you not being all inclusive here? You're trying to say that I'm not important. <laughs> See, crazy, right? Crazy, right? That there would ever be anybody out there that would hear somebody thanking the essential workers during the COVID lockdown, but then they get butt hurt because what do you mean essential? You're trying to say that I'm not important or essential? That's what we were making fun of. And a couple of days ago, that started to come out on Twitter. There are these fucking social justice warriors that are literally complaining about the terminology of calling some people essential during COVID and others not. Their feelings are hurt by that. And if that just doesn't encompass the idiocy, okay, of leftism or liberalism, I don't know what is. It, it literally boggles my mind. It, it boggles my mind. I talked about this on the last podcast, but the biggest double standard or hypocr uh, hypocritism, if that's even a fucking word, that I see with liberals, okay, is liberals literally preach that they want acceptance and tolerance for everybody and everything. That is until you disagree with what they're saying or what they're doing. Then you are immediately intolerant, uninformed, bigoted, homophobic, and racist. Argue that with me and you're going to fucking lose. Do not tell me that liberals don't do that. Liberals want everything liberal. Everybody treated great. Everything... You know, every cancel everything, just, you know, everything is flowers and fucking rainbows and roses, right? But if they don't like something that you're doing, even though they want you to be tolerant of them, if they don't like something you're doing, it's not that they don't like you. You're just automatically uninformed, white trash. White toxic maleism, chauvinistic, uh, anti-gay, homophobic, racist, bigoted Trump supporter, right? Right? Is that who I am? Do I not shit talk about Trump every day on this podcast? I don't know. But that is what the liberals like to do, and I particularly cannot stand it. You liberals think that you're so fucking uh, just creative, 
or not 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 creative like you're like 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 doing god's work getting offended on everybody's behalf bitching and complaining and just protesting constantly don't you understand that you are the fucking problem in this country you are the people that are creating these black white narratives making everybody into different groups with different labels when I thought all you guys wanted to do was see everyone just come together and live in harmony. You guys are fucking bullshit artists. You really are. And I'm tired of it. I'm tired of keeping my mouth shut. I live in a city that is just surrounded by these fucking people. That just like to bitch, moan, and complain all day long about other people's problems. And uh, it's just crazy to me. It's crazy. I've kept my mouth shut long enough. And uh, I'm really tired of dealing with these fucking people. I really am. They just, uh, they, they frustrate the fucking hell out of me, man. I, I don't get it. Uh, there is a t-shirt that I found online that, uh, a friend wants to buy for me because he literally thinks if I buy this t-shirt and wear it downtown in the city that I will most likely be murdered. And it is a t-shirt that says, uh, liberalism, find a cure. But isn't that funny? Isn't that funny? Because if you were to see a liberal walking through this town that was wearing a Trump shirt that said, um, he's a big red, red hair or oranged haired motherfucker, he should be buried under the ground. No problem. No problem. As long as a liberal is wearing a t-shirt with the message that they want, no problem, right? But if I wear a t-shirt in this city that has a picture of an AR-15 on it, or has an American flag on it, or says cure liberalism, they'll lose their fucking mind. And that's where the buck stops for me. It's okay for you to wear whatever you want and talk shit about Trump, right? But if I want to talk shit about anything that you're into, the buck stops right there. It isn't that just the way. It's been explained in a million different ways a million different times. My good buddy and my mentor, Bill Burr, he talks about it all the time. He's talked about this a lot recently on his podcast that he's been doing um, about how he has this new bit and the bit all centers around a lesbian that purposely bumped into him last summer when he was filming a movie in New York City, Judd Apatow in uh, Judd Apatow's new film about Pete Davidson's life. Um, when he was in New York City last year filming that movie, uh, he was he was purposely rammed into by a lesbian on a wide open street, and he told everybody that day on his podcast about it. When I saw him do stand-up in Boston back in November, he was doing that bit on stage. And when I saw him in New York City in February, he was still doing that bit, but he really progressed it. And it was really going well. And he talks about that bit. He's like, the first night that I did that bit on stage, a handful of lesbians screamed out from the crowd and then cornered him after the show. They really, really pissed off at him. And a few months later... He has lesbians coming up to him saying, I love that fucking joke because of the way he spins it. He's not talking. So it's just, you guys have probably seen it. Go on to YouTube and type in comedians versus hecklers. 
It is amazing to me. Somebody will pay, let's say, $90 or $80 to go see Louis C.K. or Dave Chappelle or Bill Burr. They understand these guys are top, edgy comedians, okay? And they just paid $80 or $90 to go see them. They'll laugh at every single bit they have. But then they hear about a bit where one of these comedians might talk about uh, soldiers or cancer. And all of a sudden, that same person who paid 80 bucks knows it's a comedian, knows they're edgy, but the comedian just touched on a subject that's a little bit too close to their heart, and that's when they get offended and walked out. That is mind-blowing to me. Mind-blowing. Absolutely fucking mind-blowing. It's comedy, people. But it is amazing the level in which people get offended even these days by comedy. Why do you take it so seriously? I don't get it. If somebody were to do a joke about cancer and it was funny, I'd laugh about it even though I lost my mother to cancer five fucking months ago. To me, there's nothing funny about cancer. But I'm not going to get offended if a comedian that I like or don't like does a joke about cancer. Because up until maybe uh, she hadn't died from it, maybe I would have laughed at it. But just because now cancer is close to my heart, it's, it's, I'm going to get offended? No. Quit being such a fucking pussy. Quit protesting. Pro just stop your silly horse shit, all of you. Anybody out there protesting, anybody out there arguing on fucking Twitter to... You know, Go do something more productive with your day. Go plant an apple tree. Go, go mow a neighbor's lawn. Go, go, go do something productive with your day other than bitching and complaining about fucking everything on Twitter and the protests and all that kind of stuff. Just quit it. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. And the louder that you yell and scream, I think the more people are just going to be like, screw you, we're not paying attention to you. You know? But hey, whatever. You know, knock yourselves out. All right, um, I think that's all I got for today. Uh, it's a beautiful day here in the uh, Northeast United States. This weekend was beautiful. We had temperatures in the uh, 70s this last weekend. I got a little bit of sun. I don't know if you can tell. It, it was truly smart of me because Saturday when I got out of the shower, I had shaved my head and uh, with a bald head, I just went outside in like 80 degree weather after being pasty white from the winter. Didn't, didn't dawn on me to wear a hat or put sunscreen on. So after I spent an hour outside in the sun and I come inside, my head is like the fire, uh, the, the, the color of a fire engine. Uh, so yeah, thankfully I didn't get uh, sun poisoning or too burnt from that, but uh, it just goes to show, man, what a, what an idiot I am, you know? You know what I told, I was, I was telling a friend of mine how my head got burnt that day. You know what his response back to me was? He put hashtag white people problems because he's black. And of course, black people don't get sunburned, but I thought that was pretty hilarious. He's like, what kind of idiot are you where you have a bald head and you go out in the middle of a, you know, a beautiful sunny day and then you're going to wonder why your head got burnt? And he's got me there. I was an idiot for not wearing a hat or thinking about putting on uh, sunscreen, right? But just the fact that he wrote back, I have a sunburn, and he wrote back, hashtag white people problems. I thought that was fucking awesome. So cheers to you, buddy. All right, that's all I got for you guys today. I'm sorry that uh, my, my 
computer's an asshole and stopped recording the audio in the middle of me unboxing these uh, these old boxes of high school love letters. But I don't know. Maybe next podcast I'll actually pull some out that I think are some of the best and then read them to you and show them to you on the air because we literally didn't do that. I just started ripping stuff out of the boxes and reading it randomly. So maybe it wasn't as good as I thought it was. And maybe the, uh, you know, deleting of it was the right thing to do. But anyway, cheers to you. Oh, speaking of that, you see this? You know what's in this cup? What I do when I go groceries, and I went grocery yesterday, is I either drink coffee, usually a couple cups of coffee in the morning, and then I will switch to water. But water is just too plain tasting for me. So what I do is I make um, uh, Kool-Aid or uh, Crystal Light, right? Uh, No sugar, no caffeine. You're still getting all that water, but now it just doesn't taste as bland as water. So what I've been drinking the past several months was like some kind of like raspberry lemonade made by uh, High C or whatever the fuck they're called, right? Delicious. When I went to the grocery store yesterday, they didn't have that brand, uh, they didn't have that strawberry or raspberry lemonade. So I bought fruit punch. I'm like, who doesn't like fruit punch? Fruit punch is delicious, right? However, this fruit punch tastes like shit. Have you guys ever taken a like Robitussin or a cough syrup that's like cherry flavored? This is what it tastes like, literally. When you're drinking it, Like when you first swallow it, it tastes all right. And then a couple seconds later, like right now, it literally tastes like I just took a a teaspoonful of uh, Robitussin. It's nasty. So if anyone's looking to get some uh, Crystal Light Fruit Punch, the, you know, packets that you mix in the water, don't do it. This Fruit Punch don't taste like uh, your typical Fruit Punch. It's terrible. So there you go. That's my good deed for the day. I just saved you from uh, drinking some Robitussin. So anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed today's show. I hope that you're semi-liking the fact that we've now switched to a full video podcast that you can now watch on Twitter. Yeah, watch on Twitter. Watch on YouTube. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. But anyways, it's been fun talking to you guys. I thank you for tuning in to another, you know, edition of uh, my podcast. And uh, we will talk to you, uh, I don't know, maybe later this week, next week, probably. But anyways, man, I hope you guys stay safe. And uh, just remember, if you live in Michigan and you want to go out with your AR-15 and protest, just make sure you got the safety on. You don't want anybody accidentally shot with your assault rifle, okay? Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. All right, that's it, everyone. Nothing to see here. Just some people who are really, really high. Aww. Aww. Can't shoot anyone.